the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon and greetings. Thanks for coming along for the Tuesday, January 9th edition of The Ride Home. Kath, I see that you're decked out once again in your Steeler Uh, It's what's required. Mm. (laughs) I I feel like it's understood. (laughs) Steelers are in the playoffs. You wear Steeler gear every every day day up until that time. Was this your rule? I thought it was just accepted here in Western PA. Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh's rule. I thought it was. I I see Lex is wearing a Totoro um, sweatshirt. Is she? Uh, So there's no Steeler on there. Yeah, you both confessed yesterday that you don't have any Steeler gear. No, I don't. I I have a terrible towel. No, I want to tell you that the, uh, the... the shirt I'm currently wearing, yeah. I got it the red, white, and blue on Route 65 years ago, mm-hmm. and I feel really good about it. I think maybe there's a run on them now. It might be harder to find mm, them now, but that's why I feel like you know a little bit of advanced prep on your part <laughs> wouldn't be too much to ask. <laughs> I mean, I know it's not like a new thing. We've only been hanging out together for like forever. And it's not like football yeah. just started to be important but here in the city. I, <laughs> I mean, for goodness sake. You know my general rule, though. What is your general rule? Well, oh, well, you're not going to wear gear of any kind because that's kind of. only what 18-year-olds do. Kind of. Honestly. I, mean, I just, you know, I don't that's know. It's crazy town. Like, so when you wear that, I mean, like as a guy, if I like. Whether I wear a jersey, like I'm, I'm a player on the team. Is, no, is that, he doesn't I mean, have your name on the back. I'll have one. I've, I have I've, Palomalo's name on the back because mm-hmm. I honor Kathy him. Kathy Palomalo. No, right. Troy Palomalo. Right. I honor him by wearing his jersey. That's fine. L- like jerseys have just been invented. I mean, that's what you do when you buy one. You honor the person whose name and number are on there. I know. I just. Uh, okay. Maybe, maybe. All I don't right. Know. Yeah. Okay. Right. Just three more days of this, John. Mm-hmm. And don't forget. And if you want to come see me Saturday, we could arrange it. So. <laughs> Listen, I am excited about the game. Do you think it's going to be a blowout? No. Yeah, it might be. I do not think it's going to be a blowout. Okay. I think it's going to be very hard to win. I think so, too. Let's hope for really and bad of weather. all... I feel, don't you feel terrible for what? I mean, he yeah. plays so well time. the whole stinking season. He's never won a playoff game. Here's an opportunity, not and gonna he's going to miss it. That for sure he's not going to be in sick. it? No. Is, that, is that a given? Two or three week injury. Two or three weeks. Oh, isn't that? Mm-hmm. So if we make it to the Super Bowl, then maybe he we might be able to. I'm just to saying. Super Bowl. All right, fine. I, I, thank Look, you. Thank you. Look, everybody is it's zip zip for everybody who's mm-hmm. in the playoffs right. as of right now on any given zip, Sunday zip. yeah i think uh the steelers are or uh buffalo's favored by 9 9 and a half it's a lot that's a lot it's an awful lot it's the biggest gap of right. any game who's the quarterback josh allen yeah yeah he's terrific he looks terrific although he was self-destructive but here's the thing he's not terrific all the time no of course not he makes who is? big mistakes and we could take advantage of that. He, won, he made big mistakes this past yes, week, and, exactly. but he still overcame I know. Them. I know. Think about what the, that score would have been if he wouldn't yeah, have made exactly. the mistakes. Right, right, right. Yeah, that was a really good game. Yeah. 
All right. No, I feel excited about okay, it. Okay, good. I'm, I'm thinking about uh, snacks and meal plan. Really? Type of thing. Because it's Sunday at 1. Yeah. So I, right have, to, I have to work Sunday morning. So I'm going to have to have my ducks in a row. Are you watching live? Well, I think I have to. I think so, too. It's a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Now, see, that puts a lot of pressure. <laughs> can see here again. So pastors all over Western PA will go, what, I'm going to shorten things up here because we've got a you know rabid stealer nation? I mean, that's not appropriate, right? right? No, not really. But I... I but it, there's also some realism mm-hmm. there. Every time that this happens, I think back to my grade school education where the nuns would chastise us. You, you have all week long to do what you want to do. You can't spend an hour, an hour and a half with Jesus on Sunday. I, I don't think we can argue with no, that. No, you can't, of course. Well, you know, as a nine-year-old, you kind of come up empty. Yeah, it's exactly. Sister Pancratius. Right. right? <laughs> Pancratius. What the heck? Anyway, such She picked life. that name, right? Yeah, sure she did. Okay. Yeah. I don't think she, but, you know, yeah. I'm not the first person to think it sounds like pancreas, right? No, of course not. Okay. Sister Pancreas and the little train of Kaipiro, those two <laughs> go hand in hand forever in my life. Is that a song? Yes, it is. Okay. That she played on this little uh, uh, revolving organ that was about the size of, I don't know, three bread boxes. It was tiny. Sister Pancreas. God bless That's her. That's awesome. All right. Uh, so n- news, news of the day? Yeah, there's news of the busy? day, John. Right. Yeah, it's Fabulous. a busy news day. Okay, we have an excellent show for you. So but without further ado, let's get underway by looking at the news. Kath, here is the top four at four. It's Tuesday, John, January 9th, like it. 2023. Number one, the White House and the Pentagon have announced an investigation into why top government officials, including the president and Deputy Defense Secretary Kathleen Hicks, did not know that Lloyd Austin was hospitalized. He's the defense secretary of the U.S., and that happened on New Year's Day. The White House was reportedly not made aware of the situation until January 4th. He was in intensive care. What? Intensive care, the man. Though the Pentagon reported that four aides Mm. were informed of his situation on January 2nd, but didn't update the White House until two days later. I mean, what are we talking about? Austin said, quote, I understand the media concerns about transparency, and I recognize I could have done a better job. (laughs) You think the public was appropriately informed? But if he's in intensive care, it's not his job to do it. But what about his wife telling his aides? Right. How how does that not? I don't understand. Like, if that happened to me, somebody would tell you. Yeah, exactly. We're just doing a radio show here. Not just, Kat, not just doing radio. No, no. And if I am in intensive care, I'd like you to sit by my side. <laughs> Please don't be in intensive care. Uh, Biden is not considering firing Austin over the situation. And he says he would not accept his resignation should he submit it. Good. But how about the resignation of his aides? Yeah, I would think so. Let's <laughs> shake it up a little bit. That's from today's dispatch. Number two, a federal appeals court questioned the limits of a broad claim of presidential immunity put forward by former President Trump, peppering his attorneys with hypothetical scenarios during oral arguments today that said that were said to be contentious. Mm. Trump's attorney argued the presidents are immune from criminal prosecution for actions taken in office unless they're first impeached and then convicted. The three-judge panel, though, on the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals said, you're saying a president could, like, sell pardons, sell military secrets, could order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival, and nothing happens to him? 
John Sauer, the attorney, the attorney representing Trump, argued that impeachment by the House and conviction by the Senate would be required before a criminal prosecution. Interesting. I like when people are peppered with questions. I like I like a peppering. Yeah, we do that here. A contentious peppering. <laughs> peppered with questions. <laughs> it's from today's CBS News. Number three, the storm system that we are in the middle of mm. uh, has swung north, bringing flooding and damaging winds to the whole of the northeast U.S. Currently, 13 states on flood watch from Georgia to Maine. Severe weather for the Carolinas, Florida, and Georgia with tornadoes and flash flooding possible. We're going to get heavy rain. Uh, we could get some high winds. So the recommendation is if you've got phones or you've got uh, power packs or whatever, plug them in because we might need them later on today. Really? Us? Mm-hmm. Here? Yep. On the backside of the storm, heavy snow forecast from Missouri to Iowa and into Wisconsin and Michigan, Yesterday, where up to 10 inches of snow could be possible. Yesterday I said I wasn't going to listen to the uh, weather forecast. Yeah, and now I'm giving it to you. Mm-hmm. I hope you're listening. Yep. It's from ABC News. And number four, I got a weird animal story for you. Bring it. Serbian authorities today started evacuating 200 animals that have been stranded on a river island for weeks facing hunger and cold as temperatures dropped across the country. And that's your top four. What? Four. Yeah. Too cold so, for the animals. So the Danube River, yeah. which it's not, it's not the ocean, but it's really swollen uh, this year. And so the water levels rose sharply, and a bunch of cows, calves, and horses mm. got stuck on this little island in the middle of the river, and they couldn't get back to shore. Um, so anyway, they thought that perhaps the the river would go down and farmers were watching anxiously. And then finally today they were like, I don't think it's going to happen. They said the cattle are really in jeopardy. They're hungry. Uh, water levels still continue to be huge. And so local authorities brought over a fenced river raft so the animals would be safe during transport. But it's taking several trips there in the middle of the evacuation as we speak. Interesting. 97 cows, 40 calves, 70 horses. People can be so kind to animals. No, right? that's what I thought. That's so exactly what I thought. Excellent, those poor cows. Anyways, but they're going to be fine, and then they're going to have a they're going to have a very good snack tonight. <laughs> All right, good. Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. This is a contentious story, a really weird story, science fictiony in some yes. ways. We're going to talk about artificial wombs for babies, human babies. That's next in the ride home. Stay with us. We're Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. Advances in medical science sometimes feel as though we are on the track of Frankenstein. I mean, some of these things are just incredible, but the ethics and morality around other things, you kind of go, what is going to happen here? Dr. Charles Camosi is back with us. Charles Camosi is a regular guest on our show. He is professor of medical humanities at the Creighton University School of Medicine and author of many books. His latest is called Bioethics for Nurses, a Christian Moral Vision. Here today to talk to us about artificial wombs. Charlie, welcome back. Hey, great to be with you again. This is weird, Charlie. It's very weird. (laughs) I mean, what? Artificial wombs? This is a thing. Yeah, okay, so... So you shared an article with us that shows photographs of lambs, baby lambs, um, which are like... They look like they're in freezer bags, kind of, um, and they've got right. these tubes hooked up to them, and I, they're like gestating in artificial. Wo- so, talk about why this started, and what I mean—is there a point to it? I guess. Yeah, I guess 
like most things or like many things that turn out to be weird or questionable or even definitely horrific um it comes from a good place so i remember when i was doing my dissertation research um back in 2006 um i would i would talk with neonatologists right those that treat the the premature uh, babies in the, in the nicu and we were talking about like oh do you, how far do you think we'll go in terms of being able to take care of premature children right we haven't gone that far since a drug called surfactant was created to help babies lungs breathe better but we've been around 22 21 weeks from now in 21 weeks and it doesn't look like we're going to get much closer much beyond 21 weeks lower than 21 weeks unless we have something like that bag that you saw for lambs for people for human beings for babies and so it's coming from a place of basically saying how can we how can we do this and at the time this is again 2006 2007 they said well in about 20 years we might have something called an artificial placenta which will help us um take will take us back to about five six seven weeks gestation which is remarkable oh my right gosh. Yeah, I don't know that that was prediction was correct. I don't think we're two or three years away from that happening, but that's on the tra that's the trajectory we're on, and we've already proved there's so the, the pictures you saw were proof of concept for other creatures, not non-humans, that we can move in this direction. I see. So, of course, as believers, we're all familiar with the idea of the Immaculate Conception. I mean, this is, I don't want to draw a parallel, but there is a parallel here in some way. You could essentially, Charlie, in the near future, maybe, uh, artificially inseminate, right? So there is sperm and egg in a Petri dish where you create life, and then at some point you place that life, new life, in one of the these artificial wombs and without much aid from human beings themselves create a new human life yeah yes <laughs> those of us who are of a certain age I, I think maybe all three of us can say this remember the movie Gattaca the classic movie from the 90s mm -hmm. where basically all of uh, reproduction re-products -pro even in the word right. um, is is just done this way that of course the only way you would do things this way because you have quality control over the gametes the sperm and egg you don't have to have what uh, the uh, libertarian Cato Institute in an article I also sent your way talked about um, the health risks pain or other uh, physical and psychological inconveniences often attendant to the pregnancy pregnancy and childbirth wow. and so the the dystopian vision that Gattaca had back in the 90s and that we may be taking sh uh, small steps towards today is to say this is just the way that, that we're going to do this because it makes sense from a, a consumer point of view right a consumerist right. point of view yeah okay so a couple of weeks ago I'm reading about China and you know of course um, China in their one child for uh, limit for decades has depleted the nation and now Chinese authorities are saying women Chinese women Women have more babies. And of course, Chinese women, they're not going to have more babies. And they're saying, you know, China's population will dwindle in the near future, as opposed to, I mean, to, to any our population here in the United States. Women are having less babies. The family itself sure. weirdly under attack. So he, here's a way to bring humans into the world without the so-called muss and fuss and inconvenience oh of pregnancy. Well, you know, I'm not the best person to talk to as, you know, somebody with a Y chromosome about this, but um, <laughs> my my sense of things is 
this is a, and we've talked about pro-life feminism on your show in the past, right? Like my sense of things is that this is where pro-life feminism steps in and says, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What are we saying about the powers of women here, the procreative powers of women here, right? Are we saying that this is all about mere health risks, pain, psychological inconveniences, other kinds of burdens? Or are we, you know, going to acknowledge that what the, the unbelievable power and fa- un, like just astonishing level of intimacy that women get to have with their prenatal children, right? Like we talked about that in, in the past on your show too. So well, what, a, what a total and complete and utter sellout to a patriarchal understanding of what it means to be human, right? right. The, the unpregnant male body is once again normative. That's right. what we focus on. That's where we, that's where we need to be. Screw that, right? That's not where we want to be. We want to be truly pro-woman in this, and this seems to be the opposite of that. Right. But, I mean, society's already doing this in some form, right? You can rent a womb. I mean, same-sex couples are having children because of surrogacy of women, and, you know, all of a sudden, a, a new healthy baby is put in the hands of two men. I think that's ultimately, you know, that that and the other kinds of examples you've been talking about, that's where we need a, a sort of theological approach to this and say that children are not things that we're owed, right? Things are, children are not rights. We don't have a right to children. Children are a gift from God. And if that's true, that children are a gift from God, we don't have the right to go out on the open market and hire a surrogate or, or I guess there's this company called, um, what is it, Ectolife. If you go on YouTube and go to search for Ectolife, the world's first artificial womb facility, it's got 2.8 million views. They got a very crisply, smartly put together YouTube video about how they imagine whole artificial womb factories, right? So yeah, you don't have the right to go purchase a child uh, via artificial womb factory. Children are gifts from God. They're owed fathers and mothers. And let's, again, let's honor the incredible power of women, right, By in, the, in ways that they're different from men. Uh, it just seems like such an important thing to highlight at this current moment. Yeah, it's really depressing uh, for me. I mean, as someone who uh, has had two children and pregnancy was not easy for me and for sure childbirth was not easy for me. And post-pregnancy. And post-pregnancy was worse than both put together. Uh, So so I I really had a hard time in that regard. Still, I would never want to exchange it for the alternative of some you know, incredibly clinical bag setting for my offspring. And I think that most women would agree with that. Again, this is one of those instances where the fringe is talking and the fringe yeah. is loud. And um, and it's hard to remember that the vast majority of the center on this issue is still holding. Um, now, whether it continues to hold over the next two decades, I guess, might be the bigger question. And if, you know, capital becomes the way that we try to figure this out, efficiency, consumerism, I can see especially AI-driven programs and 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 hedge funds and others saying this this kind of technology is going to unburden women in ways that will allow them to make more money right produce more stuff to be involved in the economy in much more significant ways during that time kathy that you were um having your difficulties you weren't producing all the capital you could right. have and you could have been out there working producing shows or you know getting stuff out there into the world okay. i could have been on the air you guys you could have been on the air what the heck right. you could have been on the air 
but uh, again, I think this is where it's important for a Christian ethic to really step up and say, this is an idol, right? This is mammon. This is this is something we ought to fight against as a false god, right? The the, the God of Jesus Christ resists precisely those kinds of calculations, right. and so we have need to step up and say that's not. <laughs> we have we have a, a, a duty to the one true God, the living God, not not the God of mammon here. Right, but Charlie, this in many ways is your arena, right? I mean, you're deeply involved in Christian ethics, and of course, around the world, there are I'm sure thousands and thousands of men and women who are like-minded with you. But what you just said about, you know, hedge funds and AI and all that, we all know that the dollar money drives everything in this world. So whether it's 20 years or whatever, it feels as though at some point this is a given uh, and yeah, it's going to okay, happen. Okay, but here's the thing that I, I think you're probably right, that it's a given that it will happen. But with all of our um, move toward more natural things, you know, Kind of moving out of the the mid century, um, you know, a fascination with chemicals and can canned goods and everything like that. Now people are moving away from the fast food lifestyle into you know, green naturals better, mm-hmm. uh, nursing's better than formula. Uh, you know what I mean? All those sorts of things. Sure. I can't ever see a world where there aren't people who are saying, you know what? Still, the natural day is better. Natural way is better. What do you think about that, Charlie? Yeah, I can see I can see both both points of view uh, here. I I do think um, if we especially a, it, it depends how much power we give AI to sort of chart a course for how, what the most efficient thing is, right? Because I think that's one of the ways that AI will be used, right? What is the most efficient quote unquote way to do these things? And if again, there's lots of um, pressure on especially women to compete in the in the um, workplace or in their careers. I mean, we have these talks in our my own um, uh, profession all the time about the professor. You know, young women who join the tenure track and are on a tenure clock, like you got six years to produce, and then you get judged for tenure or not. Do you have a kid during that time? For a lot of them, it's like, well, that would be dumb because <laughs> I might have a situation like Kathy's where I'm just out for months and months and months. And I couldn't produce the way that a man can or a woman who chooses not to have children can. So maybe maybe this would be a way for me to have children and also produce the way I want to, to be a productive member of the academy, right? And right. But it, it really comes back to that again. Can we, along the lines that you're suggesting, say there are other values beyond just mere uh, productivity, like like natural, like a commitment to the natural, a commitment to like the way that God created us to be? And I think there can be, but I the, the powers on the other side are very strong, very yes. strong indeed. You uh, know what? Can we take a break? Sure. Charlie, okay can you stay Charlie? with us for a couple? Yeah, of course. Okay. Let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side because I've got a theological question that I want to ask you, John and Charlie, uh, in relation to this as well, um, so that we can, I don't know, so that we can kind of look at it from all sides. Anyway, it's Dr. Charlie Camosi. Uh, we're talking about artificial, artificial wombs. Artificial wombs. And it's not sci-fi anymore, people. So stay with us. It's the ride home. Mm-hmm. 
Creighton University School of Medicine. Dr. Charles Camosi joins us. We've been talking about artificial wounds, which is a, a weird and fascinating subject. Uh, Charlie, uh, during the break, I was talking to Kathy uh, about, <clears throat> uh, and this is interesting to me because, you know, I straddle both the lines of Catholicism and Protestantism. And I said to Kath, something to the effect of, what about the Holy Family? And she raised an eyebrow. Uh, you know, um, I'm not sure what that means. To not know what that means. I mean, Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus, this is something that's a centerpiece of Catholic theology. Yeah, the Holy Family. Absolutely. And it's not um, what we might think of as a quote-unquote normal family by any means. Right? Yeah. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah. And and is that normative? Like, what is, since I'm not familiar with that term, what is that, why is that label there, and what does it mean for Catholics? Oh, well, I don't know that it has necessarily any, just the name itself has any theological import. The Holy Family just means Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, right? And so... Um, but we, but now, Catholics speak of this, um, no uncertain terms, in, in, in a theological, in a moral, in, just in a social way, right? It just rolls off the tongue a lot of times in discussion. That's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah. And, and if you just think for two seconds about the Holy Family, it is an extremely strange family, right? The, yeah. The... the uh, the child that uh, that comes uh, into the family is God's child, like Mary is of child of the Holy Spirit, and Joseph, who according to our tradition was sort of an older guy, probably, um, is the foster father or maybe adopted father or some, some kind of father who is not the biological father of Jesus. It's actually one of the things that was pointed out to me for a very long time about um, why adoption is such a key um, idea in in Christian thought, and why a lot of the um, early church, earliest Christians were big adopters, especially of the kids that the pagan Greeks and Romans of the day would just sort of leave out, abandon um, if they didn't want them, especially if they were girls because it would cost too much, um, or if they were disabled. Um, so adoption is a key part of the Holy Family, obviously, or fostering a key part of the Holy Family. And, and maybe, I, are you suggesting this has some import for the kind of discussions we were had in the previous segment? I'm saying, that, uh, to me, to speak of the family... And in quotes around holy, to speak of the holy family and, and the template of mother, father, child, I think is really important that we talk about this in culture, especially when we're talking about mm-hmm. uh, artificial wounds and a family of any family. Agreed. Agreed. And and the right of a child, not parents, the right of a child to have a mother and father, right, and to be cared for in the context of that normative context. But I do think, and I don't know if this is where you were going with this or not, but I do think that the sort of irregularity of the Holy Family, at least compared to what we think of as regular, mm. leads one to suggest that maybe, you know, um, artificial wombs in the way we were talking about in the previous segment, not a good idea, probably. But, you know, something we didn't talk about was the fact that what you know, so-called artificial wombs might allow or just artificial placentas or, I mean, one way to just describe it differently is getting better at neonatal intensive care, right? Um, You know, what that might allow is us to save babies we might not otherwise be able to save. Some some children might might survive, right? 
that we have lost due to any number of reasons. Um, and so, and actually, and this is something that has been brought up, uh, you know, how might this change the abortion debate? If, if, if we can um, say a, a woman gets pregnant at, you know, uh, 12 weeks gestation, well, no, no baby can survive right now at 12 weeks gestation. But what if there is, you know, if we want to call it, call it an artificial womb or we just call it better neonatal care, what if that child can survive um, at 12 wow. weeks outside the mother's I hadn't thought of that. Does that change? Yeah. Does that change the abortion debate? I think it probably does, you know, in, in some ways. So so there are there are deep questions to ask here um, that, that complexify the situation, at least for me. Interesting. All right. I'm going to complexify it a little further before we uh, say goodbye to you, Charlie, because I'm thinking of it oh, in even, yeah. a, even a larger context. I, I You know, both you, John, and Charlie can reply to this, but I've been thinking about uh, Genesis 3 um, after the after Adam and Eve both sin uh, God curses them and the thing mm-hmm. he says to Eve is I will greatly increase your pain um, and uh, in childbirth and your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you um, and I do not know I don't read in either Hebrew or Greek um, and so I'm not able to really break this passage down in its original language but my question has always been about the desire f- that women have for the position that men have in, in the world um, mm. and how that is the root of so many of the issues that we have and I say that with a lot of respect, uh, knowing where I fall in the history of womankind, that I was able to have an education, that I was able to have a job, that I had choices that women didn't have. Uh, and so I'm not advocating that women go back to some sheltered existence um, where men decide everything. But I am saying that there's something about current culture which is consistently causing women to try to minimize the things that make us special and minimize the things that make us unique and make us valuable. And in our desire to be like you guys um, and to not be burdened with things like pregnancy and childbirth and child rearing, um, that we're giving up the very things that are that are our greatest sure. asset and strength um, and maybe our greatest beauty um, also. And and let me also I'm putting in so many caveats, but I, I feel like this needs to be said, too, that the reason that women are in this place is because for many thousands of years, they've been minimized and in some ways abused by men in their lives. And so they the desire of women to get out from that and to not be at the mercy of a man makes sense. is makes sense. So I don't know all of that together, but I guess I just want both of your, if you have any feedback. Wait, on so it. the question is what? So the question is, do you, when you hear about that curse, do you agree with me that we're seeing that around our culture right now, that women are giving up the things that make them special for the sake of having a male's position in culture. I think that's absolutely true. And I'm, by the way, it's totally brilliant. I've never, maybe it's because I'm Catholic. We don't care about the Bible. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, I've, I've, I've never thought about that. How, how, um, how the pain of childbirth is connected in the same verse, right? To the desire for, for the man. That's just so interesting. I need to think a lot more about that, but the basic point you're making here is undoubtedly correct. And it's again, a, 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 
point that pro-life feminists have been making for a long time. Like, this culture was created to serve unpregnant people, unpregnant bodies, male bodies. At least the public culture is, right? The the culture of work and the culture of the public culture outside the home. And so, and even the home to a certain extent now, right, where we have a two income assumption about most mortgages, you know, just all sorts of things are, and you know, like the the idea of childcare at work while not unknown is just in many cases, totally ridiculous or, you know, the kind of, you know, um, uh, attempt to have more flexible work that the pandemic sort of produced hasn't really taken off. Like I maybe hoped it would in part because we just sort of expect, right. That if you're going to be a public person, a working person an outside the home person, that's where your total focus needs to be. It needs to be on efficiency and, um, consumerism in that context, production in that context. But that's not the the Christian vision, right? That's not certainly not a pro uh, pro life feminist vision. The pro life feminist vision, a Christian vision, is one where womanhood as created by God is respected just as much as as manhood. And that means creating a public culture which welcomes women in their femininity, not outsourcing it to robots or to artificial wombs or to surrogacy or any of those things. Sure. But because of the, let's call it what it is, a patriarchal culture, uh, one that serves men, right, serves unpregnant men, um, it's so difficult, right? And, and, and unfortunately, the very thing that feminists, especially pro-choice feminists, say that they're for, which is empowering women, empowering women ends up the opposite, because what it is, is a, it's a capitulation to men, right? right. It's, it's saying, we need abortion, we need contraception, we need surrogacy, we need artificial wombs, we need these things, so that we can be more like men. Mm-hmm. My body, my choice, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the clarion call. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, here we are in the West. I don't want to tie a woman to an apron and keep no. her in the kitchen. And I no. want, her, I want no. her to flourish and be, right. you know, God's greatest creation that she can be. Right. So... Uh, <laughs> This is a very difficult, complex, nuanced conversation. Yeah, because the relationship between men and women is so broken. Yes. For so many yep. reasons. For so many reasons. Uh, that it's hard, you know, anyone who comes at this in a hard and fast way. That's why I resist the gender role uh, restriction so very, very much. Is that, well, men should be the, like this and women should be like this. I just, I, I don't think that that no, is. No, there's no one size fits I, all. I, right. I just don't think that's an accurate or fair assessment of the way people think. Right. But the promise, to bring us back to where we yes. began, the yeah. promise of the artificial womb is not going to alter this to some great degree. The promise of like, you it's know, not gonna bring, it's not gonna true re- equality No, for it's all. not going to reconcile men and I women. Believe that's true. Absolutely not. Charlie, I'm sorry we're already out of time. No, thank you. This is great conversation. Yeah. Always a pleasure, that's Charlie. That's Dr. Charlie Camosi from the... Um, Creighton University School of Medicine, but I want you to check out a couple of his books, including Beyond the Abortion Wars and Resisting Throwaway Culture, both excellent works. I'm grateful to Charlie for his time today. Speaking of the relationships between men and women, John, I saw an article this morning at CNN. The largest jewelry company in the U.S. is predicting a marriage proposal rebound in 2024 after a drop in engagements that was triggered by the pandemic. We already know that there have been a lot of weddings over the last year and a half, right? Because so many people delayed. This this year, 2024, we're already scheduled for three weddings. Is that right? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, well, you might be scheduled for more. Really? According to Signet Jewelers, engagements will soar as high as $2.5 million this year. Economists say the formation of households indicates how the U.S. economy is doing. Mm. Jobs are plentiful. Um, there's an increase in household formations. Mm. This is uh, the chief economist for RSM says this. That often precedes an increase in demand for things like jewelry, mm. which is what you see around engagement and marriages. So engagement rings took a hit during the pandemic. Now people are coming back into like thinking about those sorts of things. And lab grown diamonds are taking off. People are <laughs> again. Cons- we're back in the lab, right? And well, yeah, people are concerned though about the justice issues related to which is slave labor. Yeah, uh, digging diamonds out of it's mines. It's an important so, issue, right? So those of us in the West can have pretty jewelry. That's something about that doesn't seem right. Right. How do you feel about that? About lab-grown diamonds or yeah. about engagements? Uh, lab-grown Fine. diamonds. Fine. Yeah. No problem at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no problem at all. Okay, so I thought we were, I thought we were past the pandemic. That's what I thought too, but we're not. Really? Yes. According to CNN, this is going to continue going up. So we're going to see more weddings. Yes. More engagements. More engagements. More weddings. Very. That's fascinating. Yeah. Throughout 2024. Uh-huh. Now that's just a prediction. It's not a guarantee. Isn't that but funny? How I mean, so we were just talking about the economics of the womb. So the economics of marriage and jewelry companies wanting to drive that so they Isn't create profit. And there, you know, yeah, the flourishing of the family, the holy family, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to, um, you know, the idea of, well, you just need to have a diamond ring. Right. What about jewelry? Do, is jewelry something that you buy for your wife? No, she has just, my wife has zero. Yeah. When I say zero, yeah. she has zero interest in jewelry. In jewelry, yeah. Um, Lexi, is your boyfriend buying you jewelry? Is that a thing? Not really. No. Mm-hmm. No, and I don't. You? My husband's a, never. I mean, other than my engagement, I'm never right, bought right, you. Uh, uh-uh. I don't think my husband's ever bought me any my, jewelry. My father would buy my mom jewelry. Well, so is, that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Is that? A, a generational thing? Is it? No, maybe My it's, mother never wore jewelry. Maybe it's a class Other thing. than her wedding ring. Do you think? Yeah, I think if you have, you know, extra income and you, you see a bobble, oh, wouldn't that be nice? Okay, so right? people, okay. Yeah, probably people of more means are more inclined to, you know, it's lean to believe, towards the beauty. It's hard to believe that the three of us aren't in that category working in radio here. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> that's disappointing. I, I mean, you know, we were in that. But don't you go, like, you know, you go into a jewelry store and you go, oh, my goodness. How I'm often do you go into a jewelry never. store? Never. Exactly. <laughs> now, our friend is Mark Helgerman, who we I love. Was just, I was just in Mark's store that's last week, two store. weeks ago. He, uh, they do such a wonderful job, Trin- don't they? Trinity Jewelers. Yes. Uh, on uh, Mark. Yeah, on Mount Nebo Road mm-hmm. in the North Hills. I was in there because my daughter and son and future son-in-law were in there picking out their wedding bands. Oh, and lovely. so Mark and I got to chat, and I love it there. Yeah, it's, but there were many, many, many beautiful things. Of course, there. To walk into a many beautiful things. And so it would be easy if you would, you know, of that you would walk in and go, look, I, I would like to have that. But I, I lost my wedding ring. My, yeah, my, how many times have you lost your wedding ring? Twice. How many times has your wife lost her wedding ring? Just once. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm currently not wearing a wedding ring. Yeah, is that because you lost it? No, it's because it hurts my hand. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah, it's all terrific. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. Coming back, um, celebrity birthdays. Oh. I've got three today. Three? Uh huh. All right, good. And we're going to talk about it next. It's the ride home.
to bring in some celebrity birthdays today, John. Mm, okay. Now, this is something that we do periodically for those of you who are new to the show or maybe new to uh, listening to us in this hour. John has a weird ability to guess how old people are. It's, a, again, a very narrow bandwidth. Right. My generation. Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, if you ask me about someone from Lexi's generation, I'm like, uh, first of all, who is that person? <laughs> right, right. Okay. All right. Well, um, so... These three people today who share a birthday are going to kind of straddle that. Okay. So we're going to start in the world of sports. Um, Chad Ochocinco Johnson, who was a Cincinnati Bengal for many, many years. I I believe he played for the Bengals 10 or 11 years. Really? I'm just saying that off the top of my head, so I could be completely off. But I'm pretty sure it was about that long. Hmm. Then he went and played somewhere else that I can't remember. Um, This is rough. Uh, Yeah. This is just a total shot in the dark for me. Okay. 48. 46. Okay, not bad. Very good. Okay. Kate Middleton's birthday is today. Oh. Yes, she's the Kate princess Middleton, of... The future queen. Yes. Princess of, of Wales? No, she's not that anymore. No. I'm not sure what she is. Yeah, no, maybe she is. Is she really? I don't know what her title is. She's Kate Middleton. But will she She won't be the future queen, will she? She will. Uh, yes, will she, she will. She will be? Uh-huh. I mean, uh, should Prince William survive to yes. that uh, point? Yes. She's... Um, just three, mm-hmm. She's two lovely. sons, Isn't and a lovely, lovely. absolutely lovely. Excellent choice. Yes. Uh, she is, um, uh, it's early 40s, uh, f- 42. Exactly. Hey, hey. Exactly 42. Excellent. And the last one is truly one of my favorite actors, J.K. Simmons. Oh, now we the, are the, farmers, exactly. but he's a fine, fine actor. Isn't he a fine he's actor? Excellent. I believe he won the Academy Award for the movie where he was the the uh, music teacher. Is it Drumline? Yeah, it was. It wasn't Drumline, but he was. It was okay. Per, mm, I can't think of what it was called. Um, I have a connection to, to J.K. Rowling. No, not J.K. Rowling, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. <laughs> J.K. Rowling. That's a whole other story, isn't it? It is. Uh, my wife was in a show with him. Get out! Mm-hmm. Yeah. What show? Uh, a stage show? Yeah, yeah. Really? Um, yeah. Um, and what did... Please don't tell me he was a jerk. No, she said she loved him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so there's my, you know, my one connection to okay. J.K. Simmons. Uh, so I would say J.K. Simmons... Whiplash. That's the name oh, of the movie. Whiplash. That's a great. That, yeah. that is about a drum about a drummer, right? Yeah. I, mm-hmm. Yes. It was a drummer. It's he's a, a he's a teacher, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a brutal film, but boy, an excellent film. Uh, J.K. Simmons is sixty-eight. He's sixty-nine. Nice. Outstanding. Excellent. Very, very good. 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 Not too bad. Okay. When you think of J.K. Simmons, other we than, are farmers. Okay. <laughs> okay. What about any uh, like films or TV shows or such? No, that he's I'm not done? good at this. You're not good no, at this. No, okay. I mean. Okay. Well, I'll tell you right give me now. Some. Give me a few. That he was in um, the closer. He starred in the closer um, as the police chief. And I'm telling you, that show was really well rated while it was out. It was on maybe FX or something like that. Kira Sedgwick starred. She was the closer. Kevin Bacon. Yes, her husband. Mm -hmm. Uh, Though he was not in it. J.K. Simmons was her boss. And that show is much better than I ever expected it would be. Um, So anyway, I, I, I always think of him with that. I think of him, he was in Goliath, um, which... Man, that's a tough show. Mm. 
You never watched Goliath, no, did I'm, you? No, no, no. Um, Goliath is about a kind of like a slow horses type of thing about a guy who's an addict, and uh, Billy Bob Thornton plays the title role. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, that's rough. Uh, huh? J.K. Simmons is in that. Um, he was in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, he just kind of passed through okay. on that. Um, I also he was in a uh, a show called. I want to say it's collusion. He it's um, he plays two different characters. Hmm. He plays two men. It's a sci-fi. He plays two men who are in different times, living oh, different cool. lives. What's it called? Collusion. Nah, it begins with a C. I can't think what it's called. But anyway, it's really excellent. So J.K. Simmons. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, good afternoon and greetings. Thanks for coming along for the 5 o'clock hour of The Ride Home. Happy to have you with us today. It looks as though the uh, the weather has uh, stabilized somewhat, yeah, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I uh, ended up with a flat tire this morning. Flat tire? Yeah. What do you think happened? Mm. Is it a slow leak or a flat slow tire? Leak. Oh. I've had it the last couple days. I'm actually, I was just telling Lexi, ironically, I was planning on tomorrow morning before the show going and, you know, taking it into the tire place yep. and it beat me to it. Mm-hmm. But here's the indignity of it is I went out this morning to get ready for work at the at the max situation of terribleness. Yep. You know, it was like slushing from the sky. Yep. You know what I mean? It was cold. It was still kind of slippery. So I was kind of like slipping and sliding around the car, mm-hmm. trying to de-ice it, trying so, you know, scraping, wiping, swiping, all, all of that. After I get through all of that on all four sides of my car, I'm now soaked and sweating the whole thing. I get in the car to leave and my tire indicator comes up and says, I have a flat tire. Mm. So did you get out and look at it? Yes, I did. Is it like a pancake? Pancake. Mm. Do you have a little portable pump? No. Because mm. if you had one, you could fill it up and then just drive to the tire place. Right. Well, you know, in our family, we've had so many uh, errant bad rims. Oh, right. That we've invested in like just a little, you know, cost 30 bucks or something like that. You plug it into your cigarette lighter portal or whatever it is right now. You know, my my friend uh, Dave told me that there is a little battery-powered one. Yeah. And he said it's really terrific because you just keep it charged. Yeah. And then you can just... Sure, sure. It takes a while. It's like a handheld drill almost. Yeah, yeah. I've seen those too. Yeah. It takes a while to do that. I mean, you know, yeah. You could have anyway, I don't have anything. No. So, so you're going to go AAA. But the thing I was most frustrated with, other than that, is the fact that I spent 15 minutes in all the slop de-icing my car when I didn't have to. Right. right. So then what, what happened? How did you, you get to work? I, I lifted the LYFT. Oh, you called a lift guy? Yeah. What'd that cost you? $19. Well, not too bad, I guess. It wasn't bad. No. I mean, I, and I, I got to, if I could, I would have a driver if I was in a different income bracket. <laughs> I want you to know that I would. Yeah, of because course. I just was yeah. doing work for the show in no, the car. No, just sit there and, you know, do your thing. Happy to do it. Well, I, they're telling us soon that, you know, our individual cars will go away and we'll all be, you know, 
driving together. First of all, that's a sign of the apocalypse, and it'll never happen yeah. because there'll just be, there'll be mass accidents everywhere. But second, I mean, if 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 I trusted the person, that's why I want a driver. I don't want like a driverless car. car. Right, right. I want someone who's going to drive me around. Did you speak? Did you have a conversation? No, which I appreciated. Was he it said a man hi. He was said a man. Uh-huh. He said hi. I said hi. Terrific. Thank you. That was it. That was it. Oh, I like that a lot. Me too. Because I, like, I don't. I'm not here for another friend. I'm right. sorry. That might sound cold. No, it's not cold. Some people are. You know, some drivers are chatty. Other drivers just tend to drive. You know, in silence. I was a limo driver for a long time, so I know the etiquette of. So, do you have to suss that out with your passenger? I, I allow them to take the lead. Okay. If they want to engage, I'm happy to engage. If not, I'm happy to be very quiet. Yeah. So, okay. So you, but when you started driving a limo, yeah. low those many years ago, mm-hmm. you didn't have that. You had to learn that, right? Uh, when I first started to drive, I was so intimidated. I, I was basically silent the entire time. Okay. And then after a while, you, you know, okay. And it all depends who steps in and, you know, their level of energy and their willingness or not. Uh, it's very enjoyable. Any nightmare scenarios, uh, or nightmare scenarios, nightmare realities when you were limo driving? Uh, Pre-GPS, getting lost. <laughs> <laughs> and trying to cover your butt, not looking, flop-sweating panic, going, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, I've been lost. Yeah. And you're trying to keep it from the person in the back <laughs> yeah, so they course. don't realize it. Until, you know, you finally, I've, I, I surrendered a time or two course you know from the back seat you know after so many left turns and so many right turns they, they kind of catch on <laughs> right like what's going on up there right okay and you also i know this for a fact you uh, hosted some famous people in your limo oh yeah sure yeah which was super fun for example david bowie in my limo um the guys from um grateful uh, dead grateful dead mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah um any number yeah. any comments on 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 uh mr bowie or the dead any comments about their demeanor and their yeah. behavior? Uh-huh. Uh huh. He was a gentleman. Who was David Bowie? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, was his him? wife there? Yes. Was she? Yes, she was. Is she as lovely? Is she? <laughs> is she lovely? She is. She's very lovely. He made an excellent choice, and they were super, super kind. They, they were, and they were, they were imam, yes. iman, mm-hmm. iman, right? Iman, and, and wanting to uh, talk. Little chit chat back and forth. Hello, blah blah blah, and so much so that um, when we got to Star Lake, they were like, "Come with us." So they took me to, into the venue, and then you know, um, meeting the promoter, and then they, and the, while the while the uh, introductions were going on, here's Bowie going, and this is my driver John, like like he knew me for like a decade, <laughs> like I'm part of the family. This is my driver, and I'm like, hello, and yeah, it was very nice. And, and then after the show, of course, the, the you know the the take is after the show, as soon as as soon as the um, final song, you know, you know the final song, the lights go to black then you're in your you're in your limo and then the artist uh, accompanied by whomever a publicist or whatnot they rush to the vehicle the door is already open because you want to get out first mm. and oftentimes there's a police escort uh, one or two cop cars in front of you and then you know depending upon the size of the, I think this was small this is maybe three vehicles and so there's a cop car then there's a, a, a you know someone uh, you know the publicist or whatnot and then always the artist is kind of in the middle Okay. And then you jump in the vehicle. Now, at the time, Star Lake was uh, mostly cinder. It wasn't paved. Mm. 
So you're flying quickly through the parking lot, and then you jump on the asphalt. The car goes under the asphalt. Well, at that time, I was going a little too quick. My car, as it hit the asphalt <gasps> from the cinder, did a little bit of a fishtail. And, Davey, and Bo, David Bowie from the back said, I'll never forget, whoa, cowboy. <laughs> Because the car did go woof, woof, and we continued on. So I have the pedigree of saying that David Bowie called me a cowboy. Did you watch the show from backstage? Uh Uh-huh. What? Yeah, right in the wings. Get out. Yeah, super cool. Was it the same with the dead? Uh, no, the dead. Um, the dead was at Three Rivers Stadium. That's how long ago that was. Okay. And right before the show was getting underway, of course they get there hours ahead of time. Uh, someone approached me and said, "Hey, um, one of the kids wants to go to a movie. You want to do that?" And I was like, "Sure." So me and I, I don't even know who the kid was or the wait one of the dead's kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. me and one of the dead's kids and the nanny of the dead's kids. <laughs> the three of us drove to. Um, to see the movie The Bear. Right, I remember that film. Yeah, this was like uh, like 91 or something like that. And we all sat together. Actually, they sat together, uh, the two of them, and I sat you know, a few rows behind them. <laughs> okay, so wait a minute. Yeah. Can you imagine? So they don't know you from Adam. Not in the least. But these are people who are used to this. I mean, their lives so, are centered right. around drivers. I'm just a guy. Right. I know, but they're giving you, they're giving their kid to you. Well, the nanny was in charge. Okay. I was just a okay. driver, you know. Okay. And what were they like? Were they high? <laughs> it was a child. No, I didn't mean, I didn't mean a child. I meant the parent. No. Okay. I, I, not that I could see. Okay. No. I just needed was, to know. It was pleasant. Was I mean, it? you know, yeah, I'm sitting in, you know, uh, Showcase Cinema, I forget which one. East, I was West, at. North. I think West. Okay. Um, showcase, yeah, because it was, you know, Star Lake. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was, it was, no, it was Showcase East because it was um, through Bruce Stadium. Oh, right. So it was quick access. Boom. Uh-huh. I sat and watched the movie. I mm. mean, it's not strange that I would ask if they were high. Well, it was the Grateful Dead. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, no. Okay. Such is the life. So choose your driver carefully. <laughs> all right. You know, funny, that wasn't what we were no, intending to talk Sorry. about, yes. was it? No. That's all right. Okay, we're going to take Flat tires have a way of taking you elsewhere. Yeah, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, memorizing scripture, the basics, blessings, and benefits of meditating on God's word. Glenna Marshall, the On Deck Circle, next. It was years ago. We were uh, in the middle of the show, John and I, doing, you know, live as we are doing the live show now. And uh, we had a good friend of ours on whose name was Daniel. And uh, he was a former player for the Steelers. And he was, you know, currently on the roster when he was in the studio. (laughs) And uh, he was a believer and uh, he's a super good friend of ours. Great guy. And uh, it's amazing he was still a friend after uh, this this, uh, conversation we had with him on the air because... Um, I had known from him uh, that he took scripture very seriously. His dad had shown him a way of reading the scriptures with highlighters, you know, mm-hmm. so you, so you'd highlight nouns and verbs. You'd highlight different parts of speech in sentences so that you could really break down the meaning of the of the sentences and phrases that were in the Bible. So multiple colors meant yeah, different he was, things. Yeah, so he was like really into that uh, way of doing it. And I wasn't into that way of doing it, but I was. it was very interesting to me. Anyway, um, 
we were uh, just, you know, talking about scripture and honoring it and whatever. And I got a text message uh, during the show from a common friend. Mm -hmm. And this common friend said to me, and I cannot believe I said this out loud to somebody who was on the air. Who was in the NFL. Who, well, it doesn't even matter what he was well, doing. it's very the, public. The fact, yeah, it is pretty public. But it's also the fact that you're asking somebody this on live radio. Anyway, this common friend of ours said, hey, uh, Kathy, ask Daniel uh, to recite what he's been learning. So I said, hey, you know, and again, live radio, 50,000 watts, three states. I said, Hey, so, you know, what, you know, what, what have you been learning? Anyway, he was like, you're kidding. And I, I didn't even know what I was asking. Right. And so I said, what was being uncovered here? Oh, yeah. What are you learning? Anyway, he proceeded to recite. He proceeded to recite the entire book of First John. Verbatim. Verbatim. In front of us without From any the note. beginning. From the beginning. Nothing before him. And we just called him on it, and he just held forth. He just did it. Yeah. And the long, I thought it was, I mean, it was impressive after five verses, and then it was stop. impressive after 10 verses. And then when I realized that he was going to go for the, I mean. He was I, doing, yeah. It was. And that was, was just what he was currently working right. on. It was really something. Right. So we've been thinking about memory and scripture, and uh, Glenna Marshall's with us. She's the author of a book called Memorizing Scripture. The Basics, Blessings, and Benefits of Meditating on God's Word. Glenna, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. So that day that I just described, Glenna, I mean, he went on and on. It was and, so and then it was several years later um, that we met a guy who was had memorized. I'm laughing because it's so preposterous. It's so outside my ability level. He had memorized the entire book of Romans. Wow. beginning to end and mm-hmm. he would do this in a dramatic fashion yeah. uh for churches for schools whatever he would get up and act as the apostle paul and he would deliver the letter it was so beautiful and it was incredible it was incredible um and you know how the like the the verbiage that's included in the book of romans is just outrageous um anyway those are the two people that came to mind when uh john handed me your book memorizing scripture and then all i did was think to myself this is just some, i know a lot of scripture but it's more accidental it's just because i've been immersed in it not because i ever really sat down to memorize right it. so glenna for you the question is this is obviously an intentional part Part of your life, yeah? It is. And I'll be honest, I live in fear of someone asking me to recite an entire book on the spot. <laughs> well, we're not going to ask you to do it. We, we learned our lesson. So I live, I'm very impressed with the guy who was on. Um, no, it is very intentional. It's something I came to um, just kind of in desperation, really, looking for some help with fighting an area of sin in my life that I couldn't seem to have any victory over. I had memorized scripture as a child, one of those Bible drill programs in the in the church of my childhood, but never really came back to it. But just praying through some things the Lord brought to mind, Psalm 119.11, I will hide your word in my heart mm-hmm. so that I will not sin against you. And I thought, I think this is the sort of missing thing in my life. I just began in earnest to start memorizing some short verses, some passages, and moved on to some chapters in a couple of books. And the practice over the last several years that I've been doing that has just been 
truly transformative. Wow. So then talk about the basics. I mean, that was a conscious choice on your part to do this. Uh, obviously, you, I'm sure, stumbled through initially, but because you wrote a book about it, you've got some idea of a system in place. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that no matter what kind of method you want to use, our brains are all a little different. We all have different types of learning processes that work specifically for us. But in the end, our brains like repetition the best. And so whatever you do, you're going to repeat the words of Scripture over and over to yourself, whether you're saying them aloud, writing them down, singing them, whatever method works for you. It is the repetition that really moves it sort of into your long-term memory. And so for me, I mean, I just just work on a phrase at a time each day. I recommend attaching the practice to a task that you do every day. So that could be taking a walk, working out at the gym, commuting to work, maybe washing dishes, folding laundry. For me, every morning I step in the shower, I work on scripture memorization. I have it taped to my shower wall. <laughs> and I really? memorize. Yes, I do. And the more I have on the wall, the less I have to clean. So it's a win-win situation <laughs> there for me. <laughs> and oh. So, uh, yeah, just a phrase at a time. Okay, so if you so it, it you have it taped to your wall in the shower. Okay. So mm-hmm. what and you say so you say it and then you close your eyes, you yeah, say it, you turn so, around like how what how, how does it work? So I I try to read it out loud 10 times. Like reading it from I print it out in like on a piece of paper, put it in a Ziploc bag so it doesn't get wet, tape it to the wall. I say it 10 times out loud and then I just close my eyes and try to say it. As many times as I can, if I'm not sure, you open your eyes, look at it, say it out loud several times, and just until it's like in your mind. Then the next day, I'm going to try to review that phrase, and if I have it down, I'll move on to the next phrase. If I don't, I'll just stay there for another day or two and just do that 10 times out loud and then 10 times with my eyes closed. That's fabulous. Okay, Glenn. Okay, but then it sticks in there. It does. And the more you – like as you keep moving through a passage – As long as you go back and review a little, I mean, you will be surprised how much your brain can hold on to. I'm I'm regularly surprised by it. Interesting. Okay, Okay, so then you did this, you said, as a response to sin in your life. Mm -hmm. So talk Mm -hmm. about that. I mean, I love this so much. Here's an active tool that you're using to combat sin. Yeah, for sure. Because really our goal in memorizing scripture, I mean, I think a beautiful benefit is to be able to stand up and recite it for people. I think it's so encouraging to hear the word. It's so powerful to hear it recited. But my main goal is life transformation, because here is what happens when you are memorizing God's word. You're thinking about it, dwelling on it. You're thinking about why this word, why that verb, why this order, why that pronoun. And as you're thinking deeply, this is the way that God renews your mind. And it's almost rewiring the way you think. As you pour scripture into your mind day in and day out, the Lord changes the way you think. And and then when that happens, then it changes the way you speak, the way you act, the way you react, the way you make decisions. You really will see a ripple effect all throughout your life. Okay, so we've talked a lot on our show over the years about how having a... uh, having a smartphone or kind of living online in our internet world rewires our brains so that, right in a destructive way so that we have short term we have a, a capacity for short term attention but we're mm-hmm. losing a capacity for long term attention so we're used to reading in little blips and blurps but we're having a hard time attending to reading for a long time 
So you're saying that this is a way of rewiring our brains kind of in the opposite direction. Yeah, I think so. And and that's one of the things I love about scripture memory is that it's a slow process. You know, our entire culture is built upon instant gratification. And with the advent of smartphones, you can just information or knowledge with just a swipe or a voice command. But when it comes to like spiritual growth um, and, and meditating on God's word and learning who he is through scripture, that's not an overnight instantaneous thing. That's something that happens over time. And so the slow process of scripture memorization by nature forces you to slow down and dwell on it. Excellent. Okay. So it's transformed you Tell me how and talk about your husband or your best friends and if they've seen the change. Mm, yeah, I can tell you specifically. So one of my kids went through a very difficult uh, surgery this year. He had his entire spine fused from top to bottom. Oh, my gosh. And uh, it was it was a nine-hour surgery. Oh, my gosh. Which was, We've been preparing for six months for it, and during that time, I had really been working through the first chapter of First Peter, and I remember sitting with a friend from church, and she was asking me a couple months before, she was like, so how are you doing with all this? And I said, you know, I mean, I'm nervous, but I know that the Lord will use this in my son's life to, to shape his faith. I know he's shaping my faith by forcing me to trust him with my son's very life. And um, she looked at me funny and we lost you there out. for a minute. She, she looked, looked at you oh, funny and said what? Yeah, she, she looked at me funny and she said, Glenna, you're different. Um, and I said, what do you mean? And she said, for as long as I've known you, you have always lived right on the edge of anxiety and fear. This is different. Mm-hmm. And, and I totally agree with her because I have always lived on the edge of anxiety and fear. And I just realized that it was dwelling on God's word throughout that process, through those months of waiting, and then really trying to show my son how to hold on to scripture through a lot of fearful circumstances. I mean, I really think it had a profound effect on us all. I love this. Wow. That is such a great story. The new book is called Memorizing Scripture, The Basics, Blessings and Benefits of Meditating on God's Word. Glenna, our time's already up. Thanks for joining us today. This is a really great talk. Join us again. Very, very interesting. make sense does what make sense buffalo wings perfect week to be asking that question yeah Steelers taking on buffalo in buffalo funny you bring this up the home of the wing people want to boycott the buffalo wing people are boycotting the sauce the wing the whole thing why because they're supporting the team no Yes, that's it's a thin why. Thread. I don't know if it is a thin thread. Buffalo wings are excellent. Okay, so they you're make saying perfect sense? Yeah, a hundred percent sense. Yeah, okay. Would I be inclined to boycott them this week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. In the spirit of Steeler okay, Nation, good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. But any other week, bring it. Bring the buffalo it's wings. It's like the most delicious thing mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, does it make sense? Of course, it makes sense. Yep. I try not to eat them for health reasons. Yeah, sure, of course. But. What's better Nothing. than a medium hot wing with blue cheese mm. and celery? Yeah, maybe some fries on the side. I mean, is that the yeah, most that's excellent? It's just I can't, so unhealthy. I can't. Th- if if health was not a concern, mm-hmm. and I was like, give me your ideal meal, I think it would be that. Really? Yes. A meal of buffalo wings. Yes, with blue cheese yeah. 
and celery, and I'd like some don't carrots the in there too. I, I don't. I'm not, don't I don't even need the fries. Oh, I'm, too, I'm doing no. the fries as like a napkin. Oh, first of all, that up. would be a fine idea. I'm not going to pick on you for that. Okay. But I'll tell you right now that buffalo wings make sense. Okay. In spite of this week, will you make some for the game? No. Hmm. No wings at I all. I'm not making them at home. All right. It's not the same. All right. Does this make sense? A go kart. Oh, gee. Now we had a, a kid in our family, wow. a little kid, who this was his this was his most desirous Christmas present. Yeah. Please, may I have a go kart? He's like seven. And the father was like, "That eh, sounds like a great idea." And and the and the mom was like, "Where are you going to ride a go kart?" And he was like, well, we got to live on a dead-end street. What are you going to do, go up and down the dead-end street? But every kid, believe me, every guy kid would desire a go-kart. Really? Oh, yes. I mean, 50 years ago, it was the dream of my brother and I to have it, our own go-kart. Really? Of course. Okay, now where were you going to drive that? An alley. Okay. On the street, illegally. Now, there are go-kart parks now you can go to. I've taken my kids to go-kart parks. It's a blast. Okay. And you rent the go-kart? Yeah. Just go... <laughs> it's a guy thing. Super fun. Yeah. Go okay. karts make. Okay, that's great. I I didn't grow up with with uh, that as in any Nothing. part of my reality. I don't you feel never like been on one. Never. Never. I never had any desire. I mean, I don't feel like that makes sense. Why? Well, it just doesn't seem like that's fun. It seems like that would be a lot of effort. For... I think once you got on, it would make perfect sense. I don't know if it's it would. It's fast. It's free. Really? Yeah, you're low to the ground. You're steering tight. Dang. No, I'm saying yes to the wing, but no to that. Go cards and wings, yes. So two nights ago, John, just hmm. give me a little window into the... Uh, Emmons family dysfunction. Uh, it's about maybe one o'clock in the morning. Okay. I have it, and I know this is a bad habit, but I'm just trying to be honest about who I am. I've fallen asleep on the sofa <laughs> downstairs. The worst. I did, yeah. I haven't done that in decades. Mm, yeah. So I've fallen asleep on the sofa. Yep. Uh, my daughter's watching, a sh- she's home from college. She's watching a show. I fall asleep. I wake up. Time to go up to bed. Yep. Okay. So we go upstairs. Um, my husband <laughs> and I sleep on the third floor. Yeah, it's a lot. My daughter sleeps on the second floor. Mm. We were watching TV on the first floor, mm. just to kind of get this in your Wouldn't mind. Wouldn't that wake you up from the first floor to the third floor? Yeah, it, yeah. It, that's, it's a problem. Anyway, so uh, I, you know, go up to mm-hmm. the third floor, get in my bed. I'm mm-hmm. good to go. About 15 minutes later, I hear the creeping on the steps. My daughter's coming upstairs. Oh. This is like she's five again, mm-hmm. right? Mom, creeping in. Mommy. Mom, mom. Anyway, so she, so I hear her coming up. I said, honey, what's going on? Now, keep, my husband's right next to me sleeping mm-hmm. soundly because he has to get up at 4.15. And she says, did you get a doorbell? What? Well, when I, when I was at school, did you guys get a doorbell? Like a ring? Ring doorbell? Yeah. I said, no. She said, well, I just heard I just heard a doorbell. What? And I thought, ding dong. Good grief. What are we even talking about? I said, well, honey, we, we don't have a doorbell. She's like, what if somebody's outside? I said, well, if somebody's outside, they're not ringing a doorbell because we don't have one. She's like, what if somebody's out there? So now I'm up. Of now I'm up. Yeah. So I get up out of my bed. The stranger at the door. I go and I go downstairs, and uh, so I said, I don't, "I'm not sure what you want me." She goes, "Well, maybe it's a ding dong from something else. Maybe the stove's on." 
Well, as soon as she said, maybe the stove's on, now my radar's up. Right. Maybe I, who knows what's happening. Wait, did you open the front door? No, Whoa. of course not. <laughs> no. But that was the question. Yeah, hello. Shouldn't we look outside? No. no. I said, do not walk do over not. to the front door to look outside. Right. Ding dong, some guy there. So we go down into the kitchen. And I'm looking at everything. Stove. I'm looking. Is the refrigerator open? Mm-hmm. Is she said? Did you shut the garage door when you came home? Well, all of a sudden, I think maybe uh, I, maybe I op- maybe I left that open. So I go, now keep in mind, like like so, me leaving the garage door open would result in a doorbell digging that we don't have. <laughs> but all options are now open. It's one thirty exactly. So go down. Garage door is closed. So I'm looking around. I'm walking around the basement. Okay, in my pajamas, looking at things that could be dinging. Right? Mm. Is it the carbon monoxide detector? Did I start the dryer? Whatever. Like, it doesn't have to make sense at this point. It's just the mind is going. Nothing. Nothing in the kitchen. Nothing in the back. So finally, so. At my daughter standing next to me, and I can tell she's very upset, and now I am equally upset. <laughs> okay? She's worried. My worry has reached her level of worry. So she says, I really think we should go to the front door. I said, we're not going. So then she's like, you're worried like I am. Now you, you're worried. Oh, you're great. telling me not to worry, but you're worried. Well, yeah, because you hear me all up. So then I go upstairs, and I... Now, shut up. all the windows that you you tell me I shouldn't be concerned about covering with curtains yeah. are now at the only thing at the forefront of my mind that someone is outside. They can look directly in our house. They're- it's all now again. We have no doorbell. Right. So finally, but she I said, thought she heard. I said, maybe, maybe you just heard. she's. I know I heard it. Okay. I said, why don't you go to bed? I'll go to bed, and it, it'll be fine. Like you know. Done. So I go up to bed. Well, now I'm wide awake, but that's okay. I'm trying to relax. You know, shut up. So I'm laying there. Maybe, I don't know how long it was, 20, 25 minutes later. Ding dong. So my eyes instantly open, and my, <laughs> my husband, who is a very good sleeper, says, did you hear that? <laughs> I said, yes. I've been searching. So it was five seconds later, the door to the attic flings open. It's my daughter. She's like, did you hear that? <laughs> That's it was just like a doorbell. It was really? just, And it was close. Well, now the three of us. Now it's, it's 2.30, 2.45. Oh We're gosh. all up. We're like, what is going on? So we can't find can't find anything so finally a half hour later my husband now has to get up in like 45 minutes Ugh. right he's like I, I i'm like how bad can it be something's dinging but how did you go to the front door no so we all go to bed i wake up in the morning my husband's gone i mean he probably didn't even go back to sleep Poor i don't we, you know he tried he's gone i wake up in the morning i i go downstairs and as i walk down the steps I remember it just came into my head all of a sudden that I had pulled out an old clock from my parents six weeks ago. I mean, it's been there for six weeks, put it in our guest room. And I remembered all of a sudden my dad and my dad has been gone for four years, but I remember him complaining about this, the sound that this (laughs) clock made. And I thought, and he disabled it because he hated the sound of it so much. And all of a sudden I thought, could that thing 
still be dinging. So I thought, I'm going to tell my daughter right away. So I go into my daughter's room. I knock at the door. She says, yes. And I try to open the door. And I realize that she has pushed her bookcase in front of her. <laughs> Ding dong. <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, so the, the end of the uh, the end of the story is that it was that clock. I we I brought it into our room the next night. Nothing, but two nights later, le- which was last night, it rang four times. It ding-donged four times during the night. Is it a plug-in? Is it it's, electric? No. It's a battery clock. Battery. It's a battery. I, it's keeping time. I don't know why. Take the battery it, out. It's di- so anyway, I, dis- I disabled it. Yeah. So we're good. Ding-dong. It sounds like a doorbell. It sounds but just it's like irregular. a doorbell. And, it's, and it, obviously there's something wrong with it. I bring all that up to say uh-huh. it, you don't, things don't make sense in the middle of no, the night. No, they do not. Okay, in, in a very minor key, maybe three or four months ago, in the middle of the night, my wife said, there's someone <laughs> speaking. There's a voice in the house. Well, <laughs> that'll wake you up. <laughs> yeah. So I'm walking around. I don't hear anything. Uh, I go and look at all the windows, all the doors. I go down to the basement. It, it's the carbon monoxide <gasps> detector saying it's time to change Oh, the battery. Which is some guy's voice. Time to change the battery. Or something like that. I'm like, what? I didn't know I bought the talking carbon monoxide detector. Time to change it. Isn't it weird what the middle of the night does to you? How darkness it changes things. It just messes everything up. Mm-hmm. Now, there's no reason why I w- shouldn't have gone to the front door. We don't have a doorbell. <laughs> but, you know, urban myth or horror films right, exactly. or anything. Right. I'm like, in my mind, there's a clown out there. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. You're too, uh, you're too young. Years ago, SNL used to do a thing in their you know, early days where there would be um, a knock at the door and someone would say, Candy Graham, Candy Graham. And they'd be like, eh. and invariably the door would open, and it would be some guy in a shark outfit who would, you know, eat the person at the door. <laughs> See, <laughs> right? See, that's. I'm glad I didn't know about that. I would have been anticipating a shark as Candy well. Graham. Mm-hmm. All I could think of was a clown. It was all over. The darkness. And the that's dog. what happens in the middle of the night. With the explosion of streaming, I believe this is a the golden days of films about Jesus or spirituality mm. or religion, however you want to paint it, because there's so much content and there are so many people working at a very high level that, of course, people are interested in faith. I mean, you look at um, the miniseries The Chosen. It's a blockbuster. Is that why... There's a new interest in them? No, I think just part of the wave of okay. this new interest, right? I mean, The Chosen, uh, crowdfunded. Season four is about to get underway. I now, watched my first episode. Okay. I mean, it's... Have you seen... You haven't seen any of it. I've seen three episodes. Oh. Lex, have you seen The Chosen? I have not, but my friend from college actually worked on the show. Really? Oh, yeah. Now, okay. People love it. I know it's super well done. Now you know why I haven't watched it. Tell me, you because you were afraid of the cheese. No, I'm yes. I was afraid of the cheese. I was afraid I wouldn't like it. Right. 
and then it would like make it seem like I didn't like Jesus or something. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's good to be afraid of the cheese because I don't know, want that. But the, but you know what? The first episode was so compelling. Very compelling. It was so good. Yeah. And now and I, it was stupid because I've heard from ten thousand listeners how good it how is. Good it is so. Right. Anyway, all that to say, um, three major filmmakers are set to release. Jesus films or religious films this year. Okay. The chief among them is Martin Scorsese. Now, Martin Scorsese makes no bones about his faith and his... He his, did Tree of Life? Uh, no, that was uh, Terrence Malick. Okay. But um, he did uh, The Last Temptation of Christ was way back in the Oh, 1980s. that was Scorsese? Yeah. Okay. Now, that was not well received by, by Christians. Um, that's a whole other story. Is he Catholic? He is. Okay. Mm-hmm. But Martin Scorsese has completed his screenplay, and production is soon to be underway for a film about Jesus that uh, he uh, told the L.A. Times in a story that uh, he's trying to find a new way to make it more accessible and take away the onus of what has been associated with organized religion. He said um, uh, he co-wrote this film. It is based on... um, Endo, uh, Shakura Endo, who... Um, oh, yeah. The, uh, Silence. Shasuka. Yeah. Now, Silence was a Scorsese film, which is a oh, fabulous I didn't film. Know Have that. you seen it? No. Ugh. It, it's really, really well worth watching. I mean, just an excellent film. And it talks, it, it, it delves into suffering for your faith. Mm-hmm. So um, this film is his shortest film ever. Now, I just uh, finished the um, um, Killers of the Flower Moon which is almost three and a half hours long. Which you liked. I did. I did. Um, shortlisted, of course, I think, for the Oscars this year. The uh, Golden Globes were this just past mm-hmm. Sunday. Nominated. Uh, one, oh, of the, the... one of the actors uh, won a Golden Globe for... Uh, Best actress. Yeah. Uh, but this film is only 81 minutes. And um, he says, Scorsese says this. I'm reading from The Hollywood Reporter. He says, um, religion, you say that word and everybody is up in arms because it's failed in so many ways. But that doesn't mean necessarily that the initial impulse was wrong. Let's get back. Let's just think about it. You may reject it, religion, but it might make a difference in how you live your life, even in rejecting it. Don't dismiss it offhand. That's all I'm talking about. And I'm saying this as a person, Scorsese says, who's going to be 81 in a couple of days. So um, Scorsese is at his zenith. I mean, you look back at his career, Mean Streets, Taxi mm-hmm. Driver, that sort of, you know, right. that core actors. Um, De Niro. Yeah. I mean, Pacino. Yeah. All these guys. I mean, this is American cinema in the 20th, later part of the 20th century. So he did the, he did the Italian. Uh, Goodfellas. Uh, good. Yeah. But I'm thinking about the um, what was the one that Sebastian Maniscalco was in? You know, that one with De Niro oh, yeah, 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 and Pacino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was also super long. That yeah. was his film, right? Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah. Um, the Irish. The I- Irishman. Yes. So uh, there's Martin Scorsese, which a film is in production, and apparently they're saying it should have a 2024 release. Um, along with that, Terrence Malick. Yeah, from Tree of Life. Terrence Malick, yeah. So Terrence Malick, um, The Thin Red, Thin Red Line, mm. The New World. Okay which is uh, just a wonderful film about Native Americans and The Tree of Life, which is also fascinating. One of my favorite films, Days of Heaven, Mm, is a Terrence Malick film. Now, Terrence Malick, 
extremely esoteric. I mean, this is nothing that's, it's not, ex- especially first viewing, you kind of go, oh, there is a narrative thread here. It is, it is, when people talk about art films, they, they will, you know, Terrence Malick is in the first breath of what is considered the art film. Anyway, also Catholic? Also Catholic, mm-hmm. yes. But, um, the Way of the Wind is this film. Uh, it's been he's been shooting this. Get this. This is how he works since 2019. Really? He takes years, and this is no exaggeration. He takes years and years. He overshoots, and then takes years to edit the final project. So The Way of the Wind apparently at some point this year should be released. Uh, Mark Rylance is going to be in this film. Oh, uh, he's so good. A lot of a lot of big names. Um, that are going to be p- part of this because as weird as Terrence Malick can be, people want to be part of this. Is mm-hmm. Ben Kingsley, Joseph Fiennes is part of this film, um, so we hope to see that as well. And then uh, another uh, filmmaker, uh, Paul Verhoeven, mm-hmm. who is Dutch, and uh, he himself—I mean, remember Basic Instinct? Yeah, this is that's his film. Wow, RoboCop. That's his film. <laughs> I wouldn't look at those as like a, uh, a Christian subculture of or a Christian history of film. It isn't, but he's got a film that apparently is in production as well. That we should see the day of the, the light of day at some time in twenty twenty fourteen. So people who are you know, and that's and it's going to be a, a film a about film faith, about faith and Jesus. Really? All these films have Jesus implicity. Okay. Okay. So now, wait. You said Basic Instinct, and what was it? A Robocop. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, Taxi that's tra- Driver. That's a, traje- that's a right? good point. You know? Right. So uh, Verhoeven, this is weird. In reading about him, he is a member of the Jesus Seminar. Now, the Jesus Seminar is this. Is that attached to the Jesus film? Yes. I thought so. But it's Jesus Seminar is a bunch of Christian theologians. Pastors, priests, philosophers, and Paul Verhoeven is the only non-pastor, priest, theologian who is part of the Jesus Seminar. And so he gets a lot of kickback from those in the inner circle. Why is this guy, this filmmaker from Basic Instinct and, you know, Robocop, Robocop, why is he part of this? Well, he's a man of committed faith. And so this new film, here he is. He's like Scorsese. He's in his, you know, late 70s, early 80s. And they're looking at the end of their lives. And Terrence Malick is no baby either. So as these filmmakers, these artists, reach towards the end of their lives, they're using the craft of which they are masters of, and they are bringing their faith to the fore. And I believe we will be the recipients of some incredible That's art. really interesting. I think so, too. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to watch The Chosen again. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to watch... Commit to that. Yeah. I can't do it for the next week because I have other things. But I I think after two weeks from now, I'm going to go back, hit episode two, and get ready for the films. Excellent. Jesus on the little screen or the big screen. It's all good. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.